RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is Sunday, July the 17th, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the show as I've got a pair of interviews with fighters who are going to be competing on Friday night at Bellator 283. You're going to hear from middleweight Dalton Rossa, who takes on Romario Cotton. This is actually, I thought it was the third time these guys have been booked up against each other, but you're hearing the interview. Dalton says this is actually the fourth time this fight has been booked. Also, you hear from one of the men that's going to be a part of the preliminary card, and this guy has been highlight reel since making his pro debut, Roman Feraldo, as he is going to be a part of this fight card. And, uh, you know, obviously he's had some dynamic first-round stoppage victories. And uh, in the interview, you hear about the fact of multiple fighters under long-term contract with Bellator have turned down a fight with him. So those interviews come up here on this edition of the podcast. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode. Of course, so if you like what you're hearing, a great way to show your support for the podcast, leave a rating and review, whether you're listening to say on Apple Podcasts or maybe if you're listening over on Spotify, that really does help out the show. But uh, the other night, I would, did attend live MMA fights here uh, in my hometown of Tampa, Florida. It was uh, the first time I, I've attended a live event probably since uh, I want to say 2019 obviously with the pandemic and, and kind of some things with my schedule uh, unable to attend some local events but did go out to watch the CFFC show on Thursday which uh, was at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino this was the first time I've seen uh, an event at the Hard Rock Casino here in Tampa it's a, a newer venue I want to say probably on the venue's probably a year or two uh, two years old. Cool little venue to watch some local fights out there. And the main event was uh, something that I think a lot of people uh, that did not expect to see that one happen. Lloyd McKinney knocking out Santo Cortolo in the first round with that knee. Uh, of course, uh, Lloyd was a guest here on the podcast last week. Uh, I did catch up with Lloyd a little bit after the fights of, of when he went in there. We're going to get him on the podcast here uh, in, in the next couple of weeks here. But uh, he is now the CFFC interim flyweight championship and you talk about uh, you know how the career has really changed for Lloyd over his last two fights you know he went into a into this um, a fight earlier on this year against Nate Williams prior to that he had lost two in a row in MMA, one in LFA, one in Combate Global, and then following that, that loss in Combate Global, he had lost a boxing matchup. Now he has won back-to-back fights, both via submission, both now title fights, uh, where he won the three-river vacant flyweight title there back in April with a fourth-round submission against Nate Williams, and now to go out there and beat Santo uh, in the way he did. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see what's next for Lloyd. Maybe it's, it's what 
whether it's having you know the the unification bout or you got to manage when you go out there and you win a CFFC title in that manner maybe it's a guy we see in the contender series this year maybe it's someone that there's a short notice opportunity comes up there congratulations there to Lloyd McKinney what he did uh, on Thursday night at CFFC 110 uh charlie Radke, man he man with that knockout that he had in the first round against caleb crump man he looked absolutely amazing now six and three in his career of course uh, he was initially supposed to be fighting for the welterweight title uh eric alqueen uh, unable to make it to fight night and caleb crump stepped in here man he looked absolutely amazing uh, as now charlie Radke has won three in a row and definitely a guy that uh you know you got to think that could be uh on the ufc radar with how he's going out there there and winning fights uh the one thing i will say about the the car for uh you know or because i got there i did not i didn't i only got there for the main car it wasn't there for the prelims uh you know what could, the one local guy that i really wanted to go in there and watch was sean lungi local fighter uh trains out of uh south tampa jiu-jitsu and he is a guy that i probably heard about about a year ago of of the talent that he has in there but uh, mark gray went out there and just dominated the fight on the ground and uh you know i, I was talking to uh, a guy that's trained with sean after the fights were over and, and he kind of knows he's like hey man that's the first time he he's gone the distance in his fight and but still you know guy to pay attention to there but uh you know kudos to mark gray with what he was able to do going out there and going at that action there on the ground. But overall, great time at CFFC. Didn't really hear any, uh, you know, any of those crazy uh, you know, things you hear in the crowd. It was a pretty pretty tame crowd there, but uh, I enjoyed it. Good time there at CFFC. And uh, I know that they're uh, an organization that's uh, going to be coming uh, to Tampa. I mean, I think I want to say this is their third event that they've done in Tampa, but, you know, they're doing shows in Mississippi here in Florida. And, of course, obviously doing shows up there in pennsylvania really uh enjoy that uh, it was a great time to go out there and watch the fights there on on thursday and of course last night or, or excuse me yesterday afternoon we had ufc long island which was uh, i mean look it was a, a great fight card uh top to bottom with how it all played out really uh you, you talk about obviously unfortunately the way things played out there in the main event with Brian Ortega uh, getting injured, and of course uh, now you have Rodriguez, and even you know, and then uh, so after the fights are over, uh, went and played some darts with my buddy, and uh, and then uh, I'm just kind of going through my Instagram feed, and I just see this Dana White open to an interim fl- uh, featherweight title fight. I was like, oh god, no, please no. But uh, obviously, we we know that Volkanovski had surgery. But I'm like, please no, we do not want to see a interim featherweight title matchup. But uh, for your Rodriguez, I mean, you, I mean, look, you hate to win the way you won that fight, but uh, you know, it, it was interesting to see what happens there. I mean, of course, you're Josh Emmett, you still got to be sitting back, going, man, what is going on here? Why can I not get any love there? But you know, overall, I mean, it, it was a, an action packed card. You know, top to bottom, Burgos and Jordan absolutely delivered with what you expected there and uh burgos it was ultimately the grappling is what he got the win kind of uh odd scorecards um you know in terms of that uh you know two of the judges scored the first and second round for shane burgos uh and then the other and then uh, all three judges scored the third round for for charles jordan no question about it but uh the second judge which i, uh, I believe a third judge michael bell uh gave a 10-8 round to shane burgos there 
in the third round, uh, or excuse me, in the second round. I, I'm not sure I exactly agree with that one, but uh, that was a, a fun fight that went out there uh, and absolutely delivered. Uh, I thought Emily Ducote looked great for her UFC debut, going out there in her very first fight of the night and getting a win against Jessica Penne. Uh, Dustin Jacoby, a guy that we've had on the podcast many times before, beautiful knockout that he had, and getting that performance of the night bonus. Uh, how, how about, like, what, like, you talk about one of the takeaways from yesterday's card. It's got to be Bill Algeo with somehow getting out of that, that submission test by Herbert Burns, and Herbert Burns uh, injures his knee uh, in that matchup. I will say this, man. Keith Bert- Peterson, essentially, uh, you know, obviously in the first round, I felt like he gave a timeout to Herbert Burns as her burns uh you, you know obviously who knows when that knee injury happened but you could tell he was clearly gassed out uh in that matchup there uh ricky Samoa, man that submission went over jack shore uh that was one of the most interesting matchups there punho soriano i thought looked good uh lauren murphy looked great against misha tate you know it's it's one of those things as i was sitting here in my home office and, and i'm watching that fight and you know in the third round and my mind kind of went to is like man this this just is not going well for misha tate you know, what do you do if you're Misha, Ch- Misha Tate following this one? It's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens there. But love what Lauren Murphy said there. The fact of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take on anybody and anybody to get back to that title matchup there. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, look, probably, you know, the, the fireworks of the card had to come in that match now and Suma Darji fight where Suma Darji in the second round, I mean, it's just landing these brutal elbows where the, there's one thought you have is like, how the hell is Matt Schnell still standing? And then the other thought I had was Jacob Montava. What is it going to take for you to stop the fight? I, I joked about it after a fight. I was like, man, if you're Matt Schnell, you, you owe a thank you to Jacob Montavo uh, for keeping you in that matchup. But, uh, you know, Matt Schnell was one of the bigger underdogs on that fight card. And kudos to him going out there. And taking out Sue Mandarshi, uh, Amanda Lamos, she had a good win there as well. But, you know, top to bottom, a really enjoyable afternoon of mixed martial arts action. Of course, uh, the UFC has another afternoon card coming up here on Saturday as now they head over to London for Blades versus Aspinall. Man, big matchup there uh, in the heavyweight division. Going to be interesting to kind of see how does Tom Aspinall deal with that grappling of Curtis Blades. Also, you got uh, Chris Curtis, the action man, stepping up, replacing Darren Till in the co-main event as he'll be taking on Jack Romanson. Also, you got Patty Pimblett taking on Jordan Levitt. Uh, you know, Nikita Cry versus Alexander Gustafsson's on this card. Molly McCann taking on Hannah Goldie. Um, Paul Craig, Vulcan Olsmeyer's interesting. I mean, you just—I mean, just scrolling down topology and looking at this fight card, man. It's a—it's a—it's a solid fight card, top to bottom. Looking forward to that. And, and you know, I—I uh, I do love me some afternoon MMA. And then actually, uh, coming up on Saturday after fights are over, I'm actually heading to a minor league baseball game with some uh, be be living that sweet life. My my buddies, uh, they uh, they get a, a suite at, at a minor league game once a year and. Um, so I always look forward to that. It's always a, a fun time. Great that it worked out my schedule that we have an afternoon May, and I can go do that at night there. And, of course, on Friday, we'll have Bellator 283, of course, here momentarily. You're going to hear the conversations that I had with Dalton Rasta and Roman Feraldo. Of course, this was an event that was supposed to be headlined by a lightweight title matchup of of. Patricky Pitbull defending his title against Sydney Outlaw. However, injury forced 
Patricky out of this fight. And so now Sydney Outlaw it remains on this card, taking on the former Ryzen lightweight champion. Uh, of course, this fight card now headlined by Douglas Lima versus Jason Jackson. Big matchup there at 170 pounds. As uh, you know, it is a five round fight. So that's something to kind of note there. Even though these guys were uh, going to be in a three round co main event, uh, when this fight card did get elevated to the main event, it is now a five round match. So kudos to both those guys taking that fight card, taking this fight and moving up to uh, a 25-minute fight. Uh, but when you look at the rest of this fight card, I mean, Usman uh, Nurmagomedov versus Chris Gonzalez, that's a big matchup at 155 pounds. Lorenz Larkin returning to 170 pounds on this card. Uh, Davon Franklin, the undefeated heavyweight, he's taking on Marcel Gomes, so a nice little test for him. Uh, in terms of that one, Jalon Bates, to me, when you look at the preliminary card, and you look at some of those prospects that you want to be paying attention to. Jalon Bates is one of those guys. Uh, trains out of uh, AJ McKee, uh, Antonio McKee's gym there. Uh, 5-0, and undefeated, bantamweight fire. He is definitely someone to pay attention a part of the preliminary card as uh, I mean this is and this is a fight card that has gone through several changes several guys uh, unfortunately uh, unable to make it to fight night but uh, should be a great night of fights but let's get right into the interviews up first going to hear my conversation with Dalton Ross who talks about his matchup here against Romario Cotton Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that steps into the Bellator cage care at the end of the month. Dalton, man, as always, uh, appreciate the time. You had a post recently on Instagram where you talked about time to raise the bar. It was you inside the Bellator cage. You're, you're raising your arm up. And I mean, we hear fighters talk about this all the time, but but how has there been something in this camp that you said, you know, hey, this is where I have to raise the bar at? Um, you know, not necessarily. But every fight, I want to be be a little bit better, um, you know, not a little bit better, a lot better. And this is an opportunity against another undefeated fighter and uh, somebody who's ranked ahead of me to really show that and really prove it. So that's that's where it's different. And I think every fight I've had so far, I've gotten better. I showed that I've gotten better. I showed more weapons that I had in my arsenal things that I usually don't do and mixed up my game a little bit more. And um, every single fight, at least for my past three fights, I've been against stiff competition, you know, and they've gotten better. And this fight, you know, even though I don't think it's my toughest fight to this point, um, he's very good in certain areas compared to the other fighters, like his wrestling and his grappling. And uh, he's also ranked. Um one above me. So I'm going to be the underdog in this fight. And uh, I'm looking forward to going out there and putting on a finish. You know, you mentioned on Instagram, you, you called it ducking season uh, because this is not the first time that the two of you have been matched together. After the, the first two times, this doesn't come together and, and Bellator comes to you a third time. Was there any hesitation on your part to take the fight? So it was actually the fourth time we were supposed to fight in September of 2020. And that he asked for, instead of pulling out, he asked for it to be moved back to October 15th. So then October 15th starts approaching. And then he asked for it to be moved back to October 29th. So he pushed it back again. And October 29th comes around. He pulls out three weeks before I get tied work, Southpaw striker, completely opposite style. So I deprogram everything that I was doing, the muscle, everything that was muscle memory and habit at that point, uh, pads, drilling, you know, sparring the way I was grappling everything and then prepare for the opposite styles so that deep program first and then start over. 
And, uh, and that's all within three weeks of the fight. And then fast forward to January, uh, of this year, third time we're supposed to fight three weeks before he pulls out, I get Southpaw striker again, you know? So had the same thing, had to deprogram and then get, uh, ready for another Southpaw striker. So, um, it's not as easy as just like, all right, he's in shape. He's been training for a fight. Um, if he changes, changes the opponent, no big deal. It's, I've been preparing for eight weeks for a certain style, you know, an orthodox wrestler, somebody that does things a certain way. So the way I grapple, the way I do pads, the way I spar, everything, the way I'm drilling, my game plan is all specified towards this certain person. And my game plan is for this certain person. So whenever I get an opposite style for a new opponent three weeks before, as long as the other opponent is in shape, my opponent is in shape. I feel like he has advantage because he's starting from scratch. You know what I mean? The only way I would have an advantage if I was training and he wasn't, you know, but as long as he's training, he's in shape, he has an advantage. He has to start from scratch. I have to deprogram first. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be a lot of things that I'm doing for those next three weeks that when I'm preparing for the Southpaw striker, it's going to be like, Oh shit, that must supposed to be doing that. That was for the last guy. I got to stop fucking, I got to stop doing that. It's habit now. And you got to, like I said, get out of that and do something new for the Southpaw striker. So it's not as easy as just like, you know, flipping off a switch. Like you had mentioned after your last fight that Mike Shipman was a name that you're interested in. Is, is, was that fight just never approached to you? And, and that's why ultimately this fight with Cotton got rebooked. So no, the fight was never offered to me. I, uh, Mike Kogan, told my manager I was fighting August 12th in uh, against Romero and and I told my manager I was like that's too long in seven months and my fight I want to be active you know I'm young yeah. and one of the youngest guys in the division so he went back to him and he was like okay I can get him on July, June 24th card but it's not going to be Romero Cotton and uh, I was like that's fine you know I don't want to fight him and he's, he's already pulled out three times so I don't want to do, do the same thing that I just explained to you over again. And so they're like, okay, fine. So they got me John Salter and then John Salter got injured or something. So that got scratched. And then I was supposed to fight July 8th and that venue that was supposed to be in Florida, I guess this was rumored. It was never confirmed. It was never finalized, but it got moved to July 22nd in Seattle or Tacoma. So um, and then I guess they're able to get Romero caught. Whereas like on July 8th, they said Romero caught still wouldn't be ready. But two weeks later he is, it makes no sense, but I mean, it is what it is. So I, to answer the question before that, yeah, well, I was hesitant, but I mean, we're 10 days out now and he still hasn't pulled out. So I'm knocking on wood, you know, hoping he doesn't pull out. Are you almost like fearful? If you see that phone ring and it's your manager's name, you go, Oh crap. I don't want to answer this. Yeah, so last time he put out the last fight, I told my manager, I was like, as soon as I got offered the fight, I was like, he's going to pull out. And he's like, you think so? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. Kogan said, you know, that it was like a manager issue last time. He doesn't have that issue anymore. I'm like, I guarantee he's going to pull out. Told, told all my teammates, like, yeah, I think he's going to pull out. Three weeks before, I get a call from my manager as I'm stepping off the elevator to go straight to the gym in the morning too far against a wrestler and uh he's like he pulled out and i was like you're fucking with me bro i, I, th I thought he was fucking with me and he was like no i'm not and i was like dude stop fucking with me 
I was like, it's not funny anymore. And he's like, no, dude, he, he pulled out. I was like, all right, fuck. And he went and uh, talked to Bellator. They ended up getting a replacement opponent. So. In terms of the actual matchup, I mean, obviously you both have a wrestling background. Um, you know, do, do you think that he's going to try to challenge your wrestling or, or do you think that this is a fight that might primarily play on the feet? Oh, no, I think he's definitely going to try and challenge my wrestling. He probably thinks he's a better wrestler. He's not. Um, I said this time and time again, his credentials might say he's a better wrestler, but, uh, you know, I didn't finish wrestling in college. Uh, after my freshman year, after I got injured, I transferred to play football, but injury is something that plagued me all the time in college. And it would always come mid season, you know, cause I was running my body into the ground. I was overworking myself. I was always a workhorse, something I'm still a workhorse now, but I changed it a little bit in the aspect that, you know, whenever my body does need a rest, I take it and I'm more serious about my recovery, more serious about my sleep. I'm not underslept anymore. Like whenever I'm training harder, I force myself to go to sleep earlier, sleep in later, whatever. I'm doing all the recovery stuff, the cryo, the ice baths, the sauna, the massage therapy, the chiropractor appointments, everything I could possibly do um, to keep my body healthy. And then another thing on top of this is if you get hurt, you know, the fight could always be pushed back where in wrestling, if it's wrestling season, wrestling season doesn't get pushed back for if you get injured and you're out for the rest of the season, you're out for the rest of the season, you know? So that's something that always plagued me in wrestling. I didn't get the, you know, get an NCAA title or anything under my name because of I got because I got injured and there's going to be a lot of people out there that said, that's saying like shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, and that's just an excuse. But on July 22nd, we'll see. We'll find out, you know what I mean? I, I know how good my wrestling is, my – teammates know how good my wrestling are or is um i wrestle with some of the best wrestlers you know in, in mma and uh it's always competitive so we'll see july 22nd and as for the other parts of the mma game my striking is much much further ahead than his you know if he wants to take me down he's gonna have to time it perfectly um but i don't see his striking being good enough to hide his wrestling behind his strikes, you know, because if he's just taking shots, I'm going to defend him all day long. Uh, the only way he's going to take, take me down with a, you know, blind shot, as you would say, something without a strike in front of it is if he timed one of my combos perfect and gotten underneath him, but I don't see that happening either. And if it does, you know, I'll butcher him from the bottom and get back up. So it's going to be a long night for him. I was watching an interview you did. I want to say it was on the grind cast and, and you were talking about that knee injury that, that you had in wrestling. And, and I was listening to you talk and I was kind of, I guess, baffled by the story about kind of, it didn't seem like there was a lot of rush to get you checked out from, from the, the coaching and athletic department there, but it kind of, it, hearing you talk there, it makes me think of, is that maybe one of the biggest lessons you took coming in MMA of, I've got to listen to my body and, you know, when, when something's not right, I got to get it checked out, you know, pretty soon to make sure I'm not causing more damage. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, even before I got injured in college, like whenever I was wrestling and something was wrong, I would just like, you know, think, you know, tough it out, you know, don't, you know, don't be soft. You, you can push through this. And then I push through it and I get injured, you know, and now, like I said, I, I feel like anything's wrong. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all right, take one, two days off, let it heal. Mm -hmm. If it's aggravated rather than push through it and go for that one practice 
and then make it worse and then be off for two weeks, two months, whatever it ends up being. You know what I mean? And like I said, on top of that, actually taking care of the injuries, not just sitting around doing nothing, going and getting the recovery done. So it's a, a, a lot changed, you know, maturity wise. And, you know, with my education of in, injuries and like recovery and everything for fighting and for sports period. So I'm, I'm much more intelligent in that aspect than I used to be. And uh, I mean, I mean, I think it's paid huge dividends so far. And the final thing, and anyone who goes to your Instagram, they'll see, you know, one of the guys that you're with on, on a day in day, day out base at ATT uh, is now the champion, Johnny Edmund. What, what do you take from Johnny and kind of how he's evolved as a martial artist and incorporating to what you do on a day in day out basis? You know, me and Johnny's game is different. Uh, you know, he's a good wrestler. I'm a good wrestler. He's his striking's gotten a lot better. I mean, that's that's his biggest improvement, I would say. If we're talking about that aspect of things, his striking's very good now. Um, his cardio is very good, uh, but he's more of a you know push the pace type of guy. Um, I can do that as well, but he has like he's physically gifted in the cardio department where I have to, you know, put, run my body into the ground to, you know, keep up with that type of, of pace over like to get in that good of shape. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To do that type of pace during a fight. Um, my training has to be different than his. I'm more of a fast twitch muscle fiber athlete. You know, I have quicker punches, you know, I'm more explosive, more power, stronger. He's more of like finesse more. He is, he has really good footwork too. Um, and he, keeps a high pace so that's they're kind of like opposite of each other if you want to be completely honest but in the aspect of our actual fighting styles like to our strengths he has good wrestling and good striking now too um so i think we're both very good in that aspect but he has like i said a very very high pace something where like um, like I said, I can do a high pace for three rounds, but he does it for five rounds. You know, he's just, like I said, gifted in that aspect and he works hard as well. And, uh, that's something that where I would have to change my training to, um, you know, keep that type of pace or that type, type of style. So I, I like to keep my style the way it is. I think it works best for me and his style works best for him. So, um, as for training with each other though, we push, we push each other all the time. He pushes me in the cardio department. I, uh, we, when we're wrestling, you know, when we're sparring, uh, I mean anything really. And I think we make each other better every single day. So it, it's great training with and that was my conversation with Dalton Ross. I appreciate him taking some time out of his day to talk to me about his matchup coming here on Friday night against Romario Cotton. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, I thought that this was the third time this fight has been booked. But Dalton let me know that this is actually the fourth time this fight has been booked. So hopefully it does take place here. Of course, you know, you look at both those guys, both accomplished collegiate wrestlers. So it, it's a fight that you would think probably plays out on the feet, but you hear Dalton Ross is thinking there. He, he believes that the Romero Cotton is going to challenge him with the wrestling in that one. And I mean, look, that's a big matchup at 185 pounds. And, and right there at the end of the interview, 
asking Dalton, uh, you know, about uh, training with Johnny Eblen, who is now, you know, the champion in this one. And it kind of makes you wonder if Dalton continues this unbeaten streak, kind of what, how, how does that kind of evolve there with both guys there training there at American Top Team? But, you know, you look at those middleweight rankings as we head into Bellator 283, uh, Romero Cotton, number seven, Dalton Rasta, number eight. I'm interested to see what the betting lines are on this one. I know Dalton thinks that he's going to be the underdog. You mentioned that in the interview and just uh just looking over and there's nothing up on best fight odds right now um for this one. But I, I kind of think that, that Dalton's gonna walk in as a favorite on this one, but uh, obviously a huge opportunity for both these guys. Uh, you know, the winner is going to move up in the ranking because uh, Lorenz Larkin is number six. So uh, I think for me being a voter, I will take him out of the middleweight rankings and, uh, we'll, you know, he'll, you know, if he gets a win, move him into the top 10 there at welterweight. But you look above that, uh, Anatoly Tolkov, John Salter, Fabian Edwards, Austin Vanderfort, Gegard Mousasi, and then, of course, Johnny Eblin. It'll be interesting to see if they uh, go and just, uh, you know, do a rematch immediately for Eblin and Mousasi. Of course, Austin Vanderfort, he's got a fight here coming up here very soon. Uh, I want to say it was just announced a couple days a couple days ago. So uh, interesting to kind of see uh, how Dalton and uh, Romero ultimately ends up playing out. Now let's get into the other interview of the show. You're going to hear from a guy who also trains there at American Top Team, Roman Feraldo, the highlight reel. It goes by the nickname Vicious, which he did not give himself. The Bellator Broadcast team gave him this nickname, so I had a chance to uh, talk to him about his matchup come here on Friday. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who steps back inside the Bellator cage. Come here at the end of the month, July 23rd. Roman, man, uh, appreciate time. Actually, July 22nd, uh, Friday night there, Roman. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, you know, obviously, we saw you back in March. Uh, another great victory for you there. And I was I was watching your post-fight interview, and you were you were talking about the power that you have. Like, do you was there a moment when you started training that you realized that the power that you have in your striking? Um, I'm, I will say when, I, I guess it was more so, uh, doing mitts with my coaches when, you know, at the time I was, uh, still training with my original coach, Daniel Mendez, and he's worked with countless guys as Jacques Ray. Um, he's coaching that guy, um, uh, uh, RoboCop now he's worked with Vitor Belfort, he's worked with Anderson Silva. But for the plenty of guys in his career, um, my current coach right now, Paulino Hernandez, you know, he's, he's uh, worked with Yomar Romero, Colby Covington. Obviously, he's he's uh, George George Mavidal's like you know basically dad. Uh, he's been with George his whole career. Uh, Andre Arlovski, and when you have multiple coaches, for me it was a reassurance when I had multiple coaches telling me, "Listen, you hit like a heavyweight." You know, that's that's when I was like, "Okay, I thought I hit hard." But then there's people who've been in the game for decades that are training with multiple people from different weight classes, different sizes, and they say you hit just as hard as these guys. Then I was like, all right, I know I got something pretty special here. And of course, we've seen that that special be showcased uh, throughout your your MMA career here, which it makes me think about like when you go into a fight. And obviously, there's so many things you think about going to the fight. Like, do you feel like one of your biggest advantages is just that mental side of your opponent thinking about like, okay, I know the type of power this guy's hand, and and does that ultimately open up more things for you? 
you know, I've never actually thought about it like that. Um, like to be honest with you, I've never, I've never put myself in their shoes. Like, Oh, you know, he hits hard or he has, you know, he possesses these uh, abilities. I've always, I guess my, from my personal opinion, my strongest is just belief in myself. Like I know I can knock him out. I know I can out wrestle him. I know he doesn't have the heart to outwill me in there or out, out grind me out cardio me. So that was always, as far as like mental fortitude for me, it was always like, nobody's going to outwork me. And then on top of that, no one's going to outwork me. And I have the ability to knock anyone out. That's like, brother, you, you're in for a rude awakening, you know? I feel like the name Vicious is pretty self-explanatory, but uh, who, who gave you the nickname? Bellator did, man. I, it was funny. I, uh, I, uh, I was waiting. My, my, whole, my whole thing about the nickname, everybody's like, yo, what's your nickname? What's your nickname? I was like, bro, I'm going to let the people name me. And then um, I think it was after, uh, it was after the uh, Scarecrow they, um, my buddy was looking my name up and things like, bro, they got you under vicious, man. They got you under vicious. And I'm like, I like it. I like it. I'm sticking with it. So that's how that came. That's how that came to be. Like the, the guys in the gym didn't give you a nickname before that. Nah, man, I've always been Roman. I feel like my name is pretty iconic in itself. So, uh, I think vicious just kind of like, uh, solidifies it, you know, kind of, uh, and in a sense elevates the, the whole name elevates my name as it is. You mentioned after the last fight, you said the division better start waking up and realizing who I am. Do you think the division has woke up yet? Or, or do you kind of feel like you're still kind of an under the radar guy to everyone else in this division? I think, I think that guys to the top 10 know who I am. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to say anything. And, um, and if they don't, then, um, you know, they'll find out and when it, when it comes to getting caught with a left hook or a straight, right, you know, the ones that, the ones that want to ignore it, they'll find out the hard way. And the smart ones, I think the guys at the top who are actually paying attention, doing their due diligence. Um, I think those guys, they know, but they're not going to say anything. They're not going to bring my name up because why would you, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a young prospect. You start talking about me and you potentially get a fight with me. That's, that's a dangerous fight. I'm a dangerous fight across the board. And um, I don't think anybody really wants to mention my name right now because it's just, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna stir the pot. And if that means you fighting me, then I think a lot of guys are going to try to avoid it. Was there uh, any part of you disappointed in, in terms of, of who you're fighting here? I mean, no disrespect to, to Luis, but no disrespect to him. No disrespect to him at all. Um, I think, uh, yeah, in a sense, yeah, for sure. I had three guys, I had three dudes on roster, on roster, back out from fighting me because whatever, you know, whatever the fucking reasons were. Uh, excuse my language. But, you know, and for me, I, I'm a professional. My dad, my dad's a, my dad's a blue collar guy. The one thing he's always, you know, implemented in me and uh, was I'll work everybody, you, you know. If it, you do your job, you outwork everybody and you show up and you do your job and you do your job the best as you can. And, um, you know, when they send me a contract, I sign it and send it back and I say, done, you know, it's like you send me the contract. All right. You know, 30 seconds later, that's done. I don't care who it is that I'm fighting when I get in there. I'm not backing out of fights. I've never said no to a fight. So in a sense, sorry, kind of rambling on there, but full circle. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed because I was expecting somebody, you know, top 15, hopefully top 10. And I didn't get it. Because, and, you know, I'm in this game, I'm in this game to prove that I'm the best, you know, I'm not, I, you know, all the, 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 
uh, with the titles of being a fighter and stuff. I can care less. I know I'm a badass. I know I'm a tough motherfucker. I know I'm one of the best in the world. And just being a fighter isn't enough for me. I want to be the best. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be just one of the best. I want to be the best. So when I don't get those fights, those top fights, it does, it does sting a little bit, but at the same time, there's also a sense of like, all right, these, these guys know they're not just going to fight me for no reason. So they, they have, they'll be forced to fight me. And when they're forced to fight me, they'll take it and then they'll get slept like everybody else. Like when, when fighters that you learn turn you down as an opponent, like what goes through your mind is, I got to imagine frustrating. It's got to be one of the words that goes through your mind. The other other thing I think of is in a weird way. Do you take it as a compliment of going, man, they fear me so much. They don't want to step in there with me. I think it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to curse on your, Oh no, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, I think, I think they're a bunch of bitches, man. I think they're a bunch of bitches. I think, you know, the one thing about this sport is you're trying to be the best in the world. And, um, for you to turn down a fight, I think it showcases who they are. They're not real fighters. Real fighters don't turn down fights. You know, there's a methodical side of the business side of it. I get it, you know, trying to make money and stuff. But when your number gets called and your goal is to be the best and your goal is to hold that belt around your waist and there's a guy standing in front of you, you don't, you don't shy away from it. You step up. And, um, for me, what I think about them is I think they're a bunch of bitches, and I think a lot of guys in this sport are, are like that. I think they're all, they're in it for the they're in it for the show, and they like they like the accolades and they like they like the the title of being yo I'm a I'm an MMA fighter, but in their heart of hearts, they're not they're not really about it, you know. So that's I mean, dude, I'd I'll fight anyone, I'll fight anyone at any weight. I don't care. I'll come in underweight if I had to. If it means me getting in there. I'm down to go all the time. Uh, you know, and I, I, I've seen the, I, I see it across the board with the guys who I train with. I train with the best guys in the world. My main training partner just won the fucking middleweight belt. Actually shut down Musasi five rounds to none. Johnny's an animal. That's my main guy. And it's like, when you're with dudes like that on a consistent basis, it's reassuring to myself. And it, and it just puts it across the board that, yo, we're nobody to be fucked with, you know? Do you prefer to train with guys who are or, or at fight at a heavier weight class than you, or or is it doesn't really matter for you? No, I think there's I think there's benefits for both. I think I get I get some good rounds with some fifty fivers too that are a little faster. Um, I don't use I won't use as much as you know the strength side of there, mm-hmm. so I'll be a little more methodical. But I definitely find myself training with more a, a lot more eighty fivers. Most of my most of my training partners are eighty fivers. Um, I got a couple seventies that I train with. Couple fifty fivers. Only fifty five I really train with uh, is uh, uh, Dustin Poirier and Sid Sidney Outlaw. I think I mean the combination of both those guys at fifty five or Sid's an animal. I, he, I think he can beat anyone when he shows up. And Dustin hits hits like an eighty fiver. Um, but for the most part, my guys are Johnny Eblen. I got my dude Jocko um, uh, Dalton. I got some. I got some Russian guys at seventy that are pretty good too. Mega Madoff, uh, Raymond. I mean, we uh, dude, we got a great gym in there. We got a lot of guys. They're all some of the best, bro. And whatever whatever promotion they're in, they're in the top. Yeah. And um, that's who I try to find. Like, you know, there's this there's this feeling. Not to ramble too much, but there's this feeling you get when you when when uh, when uh, 
when a when that alpha when an alpha comes into the gym, you see him, you're like, yo, that guy's tough. And there's two feelings that go: either you try to shy away from it, or you get drawn to it. And anytime I see somebody who I think's good or can potentially challenge me, I'm the first one to walk up to me like, hey, you and me getting rounds today, guys. All right, <laughs> who you got? Who you got today? You ain't got nobody. We're working today. Let's go. And I think that's what it takes, man. I think that's this whole this whole sport. That's why I got into it. It was never. It was never to to showboat or you know live the live the lavish life like some guys want to do. I was always in it for I want to see what I got. I want to see what I got. I, I want to prove to myself that I'm the best. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. It's about what I think about myself. And the way to do that is by training with the best and by beating the best. And uh, I think I think I'm in the best gym in the world. Yeah, I mean, obviously, anyone goes to your Instagram. Obviously, your family is your number one motivation. Got got to imagine number two is be is is working your way to prove you're the best in the world. Is number yeah. three that that competition aspect? Like like even if it's just like a, a Monday afternoon and you walk into the gym and you go, man, there's some straight up killers who are trying to take my head off today. Listen, I, I I'll compete for the front seat if that's what it means. <laughs> if that means me, if that means you you and I got to do two out of three in rock paper scissors shoot for the front seat, then that's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm a competitor at heart, man. I compete at everything, so I can definitely say that I, I have that in me. I have that drive to win at everything. Um, it's a little OCD. My my lady doesn't necessarily like it too much because. <laughs> I guess it's a little, uh, it can be a little overwhelming at times, but you know, it also makes me, me, um, I will, and you, you know, touch base on my family. They have become the, definitely the number one, uh, factor on why I do what I do. Um, before them, it was, you know, to, to be the best, you know, for me and all that stuff. But you know, when, when it comes to, uh, feeding my family, ain't nothing getting in my way. Nothing's getting in my way. Like I said, I'll, <laughs> Bubba, you have to be. You could be a heavyweight. I don't give a shit. I, I can. Uh, I'll go in there forty pounds underweight. I'll walk in there with a smile on my face if it means me getting paid in order to feed my family. I'll take you the fuck out. So. All right, so that makes me think. Like you're you're chilling at home on on a Monday night with the fam, and like you're just playing a board game. Is that competitive yeah. juices just as strong? Always, bro. I don't listen. I can't lose at nothing. I can't, I, 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 it's, it's gross, man. I, I, I need to work on it. Not right now because I feel like if I try to change my ways now, it wouldn't be good for my career, but maybe afterwards I can go see a therapist about it. But, uh, as far as right now, man, dude, it doesn't matter. Hey, hey we could be chopping an apple up and I'd be like, my <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, man, uh, anything, anything and everything we're competitive. Um, it's just, I don't know. Being from being from QS, where I'm from, I have a, a a core group of friends, and we competed at everything at all times. Didn't matter. If it was a racing down the street. If it was in you know in school. If it was in you know whatever sport, whatever it is. I play basketball twice a week. I get I get down and competitive there. I play golf. I'll I'll go and run routes. I'll hit baseballs. I don't give a shit what it is. They, my nickname back home is the Renaissance man. I do it all. And I'm the, like, and I can compete at the highest level at doing anything, but across the board, when it comes to competing, I think I'm number one at everything just because of that competitive edge. You know, I got to win. I got to. And for this fight, you're pretty, you're, you know, essentially going to his somewhat backyard. I mean, he's from that, that yeah. West coast area. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you like that fact? Like, Hey man, I'm, I'm the, I'm the Allentowner coming in. 
Yeah, definitely. I've never experienced it. Well, uh, on an interview earlier, they're like, yo, so how, how do you feel about them, you know, potentially getting the booze? I love it, man. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for some booze. I'm excited to, you know, I'm excited to shock the crowd and have everybody just dead silent. Like, oh my God, he just did that. You know, um, whether they're cheering for me, whether they're booing me, it just, as long as the people are entertained and they're, and I'm going out there and performing and uh, coming out with the W, that's all that matters. You know, I'm winning. Winning's number one to me. Uh, entertainment second, but I definitely go out there to put on a show every time. Do you hear the, do you hear the fans when you're fighting? Hyper. I'm hypersensitive to everything that's going on around me. I hear, dude. I mean, if you, if you look back at that fight against, um, at the hard rock, uh, Robert Turnquest, mm-hmm. when I catch him with a left hook, uh, I catch him with a left hook and there's a video that Sabat, the sleek sheik puts up and he's like, get after him. And I don't look at Sabat, but I talk to Sabat <laughs> and it, I, you know, I, I hit him with a check left hook. I point at Robert. I said, Ooh, I got you. And then Sabat goes, get after him. Like I'm coming, I'm coming. And I, you know, and then I hit the fly knee. I wasn't rushing it, but I'm going. All right, motherfucker. I'm <laughs> so, so, I'm hypersensitive to everything around me. I heard Mike. I heard you hear everything, and uh, you know there's 18 things going on in a matter of a millisecond. And somehow or another, my brain's able to organize it all. And then you know, and uh, problem solving, man. That's what we do. We do problem solving at the highest risk, highest risk reward, and uh, I love it, man. It, it gets me it gets me going. Oh, like I, like I'm going to a show later on this week, and one of the things that I obviously you're going there for a fight game. Other part of my entertainment is, is the fans. What the yeah. the crazy stuff that gets said. Like that is part of the entertainment for me. Yeah, yeah, man. I I mean, I one of my funnest things to do is actually go watch my friends fight. I I I actually re- rarely go to fights just because I mean I'm in it. I'm, it's, yeah. I'm submerged. So like for me to go and just be, spend my off time in it, it's like, eh, I'd rather do something else. But when my close people are fighting and I can be there, I'm there a hundred percent. And, uh, my, my buddy just won, uh, uh, Francesco Ricci. He just won the middleweight belt and, um, bare knuckle. And I was there and I was acting like an absolute loony, just screaming at the top of my lungs, singing out the songs, whatever. If you would have seen me, you'd be like, yo, just <laughs> don't mess with that guy. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he's on just leave him alone but i mean I, I i feed into it too so i can only imagine what it's like for somebody who doesn't know what that feeling is to be it's intoxicating man the energy in there the roar somebody's getting knocked out it's, dude it's it's uh it vibrates out man it's 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 powerful stuff so i love it yeah it's just it's it's the things that get said that just make me laugh you know, like they'll say, yeah. like shoot for a double leg, yeah, because he didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like, I like the old twist his dick. Old- uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, there's that, yeah. There's that one video of, of like a guy going, what, <laughs> what? Yeah, dude. You know, just random shit. You know, I poke him, give, give him a nut shot, something like, dude. That honestly, like. I'm not gonna lie. If if I don't, you know, hope none of his people are listening. But that's the shit. While you're fighting, you hear that. You're kind of like, what did he just? <laughs> <guy>? What? <laughs> like, you serious? Well, 
my god! All right, let me focus. Let me refocus, man. You just fucked my whole game up here. I like, couldn't, couldn't. But no, it's all good, man. I love, it. I love it, bro. People be saying random shit, and and uh, I like the commentary more than anything. I don't even like when people scream. The commentary is like. I think that's the best part. Oh, uh, I, I can't uh, wait. I, I've done play by play. And yeah. the thing that would always go like when the action was right in front of you in my head, I go, Jason, don't say something stupid. Yeah. Uh, he's probably going to, he's probably going to look for a Kamora here. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> that's all, that's, that's, oh, listen, if I'm sitting there in the ring, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not, not anymore. I might have, but not anymore. I can't wait. I, I'm looking forward to like, I'm looking forward to one of those days in the future where I'm like right on top of somebody commentating and I get to just talk to him, you know, right in the corner, like while I'm beating the guy up and do some, do some Kazmad shit, you know, DC, <laughs> just beat the guy up and talk some shit. I, I mean, it's part of my game too. I, I like talking. It makes me, it makes me feel loose in there. So when I you, you get, if you see me starting to talk a little shit, it means I'm definitely starting to get comfortable um, in the ring and just finding my distance and stuff. But, I'm definitely looking forward to one of those times where I can just shoot the shit with the commentator while I'm riding some dude's back or something and beating him up. Yeah, we, we saw that during the pandemic. Kevin Holland just taking yeah. advice from DC in the middle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I should do that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, I actually want to fight him. I, I want to fight him in the future. He moved down to 70. I think that'll be a pretty good fight. You know, God, I mean, you know, I'm still a Bellator, so I'm not, that's, you know, God willing, if that ever happens, but I think that'd be a good fight. I like I like his style. He talks some shit. He, you know, he's rangy. Um, I would like to fight him. Hey, I, man. Got, I got a hit list. I got a hit list for sure. Like, are we talking like it's in the phone? Like, you got okay? Put a guy's name down. I mean, uh, bing, 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 bing. I got, I got, I got five. I got about six dudes in the top ten in the UFC, and I got another four or five dudes in Bellator in the top ten. So, I'm gonna wipe out everybody in this division. Well, it doesn't matter what promotion you're in. That's my goal. I just want, I want to be the, I want to be like pound for pound the best ever at 170. And that was my conversation with Roman Feraldo. Appreciate him taking some time out of his day to talk to me. Great conversation there with him. And obviously he has been a highlight reel since coming into Bellator. As you, as you look at, uh, he made his Bellator debut at Bellator 252. That was a second round flying knee knockout. Then he follows that up with a 90 second knockout. Then he follows it up with a 77 second knockout. And then he follows it up with a 44 second knockout. And uh, this is a fire that uh, has not gone to the distance in his pro career did do that uh, on a pair of occasions as an amateur but uh, you know probably I would say one of my biggest takeaways from that conversation is talking about how three fighters who he said are under contract with Bellator turned him down I mean this is a guy that I think that he's potentially on the fast track and and look you you hear what he says there you know when he talks about he would love to fight Kevin Hall at some point I mean we can all take that the way we want to take it here. But to me, this is a guy that if you are Bellator and this guy continues to do what he's doing, this is a guy that you just basically, you figure out what is the financial incentive to keep him in Bellator. Cause man, this guy has just been absolutely fun to watch and, uh, you know, taking on a local guy here in Luis trains out of ATT Portland. 
He has won back-to-back fights in a row. Uh, you know, so uh, this is an interesting matchup. But, you know, another quality matchup to look there at the preliminary card here for Bellator 283 going down there on Friday. Of course, uh, live on Showtime. I'll be uh, I'll be watching it. Uh, I'll be sitting here at home, uh, pop up, uh, you know, Showtime on, on the TV and watching it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see how Douglas Lima looks. You know, I, I know I... I didn't click the article, but I saw uh, a story on the score that basically essentially saying like, hey, I'm not done yet. It basically was saying, by the way, speaking of the media, I saw something the other day and, you know, I'm a a big basketball fan. And one of the podcasts I love to listen to is the J.J. Reddick podcast. And J.J. uh, and Draymond Green did a dual podcast together. And so this was like, I don't know probably about two, three weeks ago. It was probably, probably a week or two after the Warriors had, had won the NBA championship. And, you know, and Draymond and JJ were talking about the media and, you know, and Draymond, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Draymond has, I don't know, I don't know if I would say a love-hate relationship with the media, but he definitely is vocal about how the media reports on basketball. And, you know, he talked about that it, the media and the players, it should be a partnership. And, and that line really stuck out to me, just kind of thinking of, of what I do on this podcast with interviewing fighters, whatnot. And I kind of agree with what Draymond had to say there. And I saw that Dustin Jacoby ended up commenting on a article that was about an interview he gave to Sherdog. And it was about a conversation with Alex Pereira. And it just kind of made me think about like how there's so many times that I see where a fighter's quote is taken out of context to just get a click. And I'm just, I don't know, man, I'm not big on that one. I'm just not big on that. I I just, I, I I think as media, I think we have to do better. And I guess, uh, I guess I'm a little different than other people. Like I'm not like, I'm not going to do the clickbait headline. I'm just not going to do it. Like I, I was, I was talking to a fire the other day, um, you know, off air and we were kind of talking about some things and, and I, and I said, and cause he was commenting to me, he's like, you know, he's like, man, he's like, you know, I really dig that. You kind of, you ask some different questions. He's like, you clearly kind of look into things outside of fighting with me. And, uh, you know, and I said, I was like, look at the end of the day, I just want to have dope conversations. That's why I, I'm not like, I'm not trying to make some clickbait headline. Like I'll tell you like the interview I have with Dustin, I, I love the interview I have with Dustin. I'm going to try to get him on the show next week. And the thing I loved about it was like, we're just having a fun conversation about like you saw drug testing and, and sitting there and talking about like, Hey man, what, what do you think? Like, how do you get that job? What makes you want to get that job? You know, those, those are things that I, I those are the dope conversations I love here. So I just, you know, I just wish I think as a media, we did a better job of, you know, kind of portraying a story about a fighter that's just not about you know what what kind of thing can we say uh to get that massive clickbait but uh but yeah i just i saw i saw it earlier this week and just i don't know it was kind of weird to me just a little weird to me uh by the way coming up this week over on the ma report youtube channel do got some interviews that are going to drop over there uh did an interview with jacob rosales who uh he's gonna be fighting here at the end of the month at LFA 137, first fight since uh, his contender series fight where he suffered an injury. So he'll be back in there. Also, uh, you'll hear from Weston Wilson 
and Terion Ware. Got those interviews coming up on the podcast or coming up on the MMA Report YouTube channel. Next Sunday on the podcast, I'll have Billy Goff, who he is going to be a part of the August 2nd episode of Dana White's Contender Series. Dana White Contender Series starts up next week, next Tuesday, July the 26th. Looking forward to, uh, you know, always enjoy those Tuesday night cars. So be on the lookout for that. Also, I'll let you know um, some of the coverage I got coming up this week. On Wednesday, uh, over on the Odd Shopper YouTube channel, the episode three of Takedown City will come out as myself and Pete Rogers Jr. We're going to talk about the betting slate for UFC London, also Bellator 283. Uh, then on Thursday, I will, or then on Wednesday, also have a new episode of the MMA Report podcast, myself and Daniel. We'll talk about what happened yesterday at UFC Long Island. Get you ready for all the MMA coming up this weekend. Of course, talk any news and notes going on in this crazy world of MMA. Then, of course, on Thursday, I will have the stochastic DFS strategy show for UFC London. Then on Saturday, I will have live before lock so be sure to check out all the mma coverage that i do have there so as always appreciate you taking some time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast of course uh, uh great way to show your support for podcasts rating review on your favorite podcasting platform if you're not subscribed to the mma report on youtube you can do that as well of course you can check out all my mma coverage over at the mma report.com so that's going to do it for this edition of the mma report podcast which comes out two times a week on sunday the interview edition of the podcast and then on the midweek edition with myself and daniel Gavon talk about everything going on in the world of mma